0: Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Will Smith singing summer, summer, Summer Time." And oh my God, is it summertime? We'll moan about the weather in a bit though. My name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. And joining me in this volcano that is the UK right now. I know I'm dating this podcast, but we have to mention it. Um, Lallard of the football tavern, Ed Chambers. Are you melting in this, whatever, the hottest day ever? ever
1: yeah i am i am good morning ash yeah i am melting uh really really am melted i'm not gonna lie to you but that's a british thing isn't it we complain about the weather um and that's what we do um apparently it's meant to go down to like 25 later in the week which just sounds incredible i mean like to me like to me 25 is normally my limit um i expect you know sort of sitting here doing this podcast i expect sort of jack chelton to be sitting next to me throwing sort of you know buckets of water at me and um but yeah but i have you know a bit of a nod to the 90s i'm currently sitting here with a fab with a fab i'm um,
0: just yes. to let people in it's 10 to 11 in the morning
1: yeah. yeah and
0: i bet you would let your children eat a fab at this time in the morning would you sir no i would not
1: <laughs> but nowhere in the rules sorry i'm actually easing it as i talk i shouldn't do that just, so nowhere funny. in the rules does it have written down that you can't have a fab at 10 to 11 that's very morning. true i, um, I stupidly yeah. played
0: football in this heat last night
1: oh my god <laughs> but Did it you? wasn't
0: yeah it wasn't as bad as you know we all just expected it to be there were more water yeah. breaks and i did drop the john aldridge gag which i had to explain yeah. to a few people which made me feel old and oh dear. just a little bit of a geek that you know they didn't yeah, know absolutely. and i said oh we're gonna do." i just literally said oh we'll be doing an aldridge halfway through and someone said yeah. to me Oh, what yeah uh, So
1: if you uh, have to explain the joke it, it's, it's not funny kind of- is it <laughs> yeah yeah that's the problem because
0: also they're like oh okay and I was you know i would go look it on youtube yeah that's
1: it yeah exactly. so,
0: like well they're that some of the we had some of the sons play with us so they would they uh, haven't even heard of John Aldridge. So this guy wasn't yeah. this guy was in his fifties, he should have known better, but there are some kids in there that some of the references <laughs> are way above their head for sure. <laughs> um, I always think when that the summer of ninety six was, was really, really hot. But I don't know if that, that was me just swept up in the yeah, glorious that was possibly it was um, definitely I, sunny. I know I that seem
1: to it. recall I seem to recall um nineteen ninety being roasted during like when Italian 90 was on. But also, I seem to recall 1998 being pretty, pretty, pretty summary. Uh, pretty, Maybe it, that's just,
2: maybe you've just got thing, a memory
1: of it, you? and it just feels like every day was summer yeah, when I think it, probably like year yeah, yeah, it probably wasn't. Yeah, probably is a tournament thing, actually. Yeah. Maybe you're like,
0: too, you just pissed down for the whole month. That's why we don't yeah. remember it as well. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <coughs> you know, it's certainly, um, it certainly pissed on Graham Taylor, but that's really? probably a different... That's yeah. probably a different story. Saying but, that, um,
0: you, you just spot that. Stu, our friend Stu from Stu Factory's Football, he does love the Graham Taylor documentary, doesn't he? The amount of tweets that he puts out. I was gonna
1: I was gonna call him out on it on Twitter. So Stu, <laughs> I know you're gonna be listening because you are one of our five listeners. Obviously, Woo! my mum, Ash's mum, and a couple of other people. Um, Stu, yeah, we well, you love it. He loves the old uh, Graham <laughs> Taylor thing, doesn't he? Um which which is great. I love I know, to see love that it. documentary. It's you know, I I wrote an article on it. Um for a uh, for a fanzine last season, which I had great fun doing. Um and I love I love that documentary. Um, you know, from start to finish. Uh, the video version was always better than the T V yeah, version. Yeah, you get a more of it, didn't you? you yeah, 25 yeah. minutes extra footage. But uh, I yeah, keep meaning okay. to
0: buy and possibly blag off a friend of the show, um Sid Lambert. He had runs, I'm gonna plug his online store. He has a t-shirt that says hit les. Yes Quote from that line Pete's done in the style Of um, Run DMC's Like logo Which I don't really know why I don't really get That connection But I I think it looks cool And obviously Yeah but
1: that's But surely that's the reason It looks cool
0: Yeah exactly And also at the time Les was a KPR player So to me it kind of Uh, okay Yeah Yeah. it's a bit homage To Les being a KPR Playing for England So at some point He's got a lot of of Good stuff on there Yeah he has a Kennedy Back in steel glue If I can get that out Mug as well So yes I need that in my collection. Basically, need if Sid, if you're listening and you want to be a good friend, and I know you're a good friend, just send it my way because I just haven't got around to it. Just I'll have that. Maybe the Harchester
1: T-shirt as well. Stick yeah, that Sid, in. Sid, can we have some free stuff? Yeah, free, free stuff. We like free, free stuff, stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah. We're, we're fathers of children. We have. Well, they need yeah. new shoes and new sandals yeah.
1: in this heat. Yeah. So. yeah, we can't afford a Marco van Basten cup. <laughs> yeah, Not saying that I do want to have a Marco van Basten cup, you know, Sid, sort of winking. Sort yeah. of, I know, thought you'd be mind. more of the Baggio collection. Man. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind Baggio, but I think the van Basten one just looks a bit, um, well, it looks quite good, actually. I think there's a, it's like the Dutch kit from 88. I think yeah. it just kind of looks quite cool. I'm going off so um, many
0: tangents here, but I've got so many mugs in my house. You know when people open their cupboard and, yeah. like, I only ever use like three mugs probably for a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got probably like, you know, 15, 20 mugs that just sit in the cupboard and they've got yeah. some sort of nineties or football or even wrestling yeah. reference to we're,
1: it. We're, we're the same because we've got, <laughs> it's ridiculous. We've got about 30 mugs in the cupboard. Right. <laughs> and I drink, I drink, this is no word of a lie. I don't drink coffee. Right. So no, I Me neither. No. Right. And um, all right, the two of us. Right. So, and I drink about five cups of tea a year. Like, I don't really bother with tea. So it's like, who, why have we bought all these cups? Who, who, who are we actually expecting? Yeah, that
0: classic household thing, is it? Get all the mugs in. I, I have a cup of tea, at least a couple of cups of teas every day, but or not in this heat. I don't know. People yeah. who say tea drink quenches first... Yeah, in this but, heat, I'd never understood that. Anyway, nah, that's, that's, let's that's bring it back around to football. Look, we, when they take top of the pots off the screens, this is what we resorted to talking about in the intro: is yeah, it's fabs and mugs. But let's talk football. Which and, has still I'm still eating. Sorry. It's all right, you you you, <laughs> you you munch away on your fab. Um, I want to talk. We wanted to mop up, tidy up, uh, tie a bow, if you like, on last episode where we did underrated and overrated, which was very good. Great chat with the man that is Sashin. And um, we put the polls on Twitter, and thank you to everyone who took the time to vote. Uh, to, we weren't really caring who won, but it was nice to see what other people thought in terms of what we put forward. and We did a riot. Sashin... Pretty much the loser if they were going to run a competition yes. yeah, in this. I, I, what, are you, what are you talking I about? Care, I cared who won. <laughs> Sorry, Ed cared
1: who won. <laughs> I cared who won. I wanted to win the double.
0: You wanted to win the double. Well, we got. So the most overrated thing, which was, was shocked me, but I do think, and as I think you pointed out on Twitter and a couple of others, the reason Matt Letitia was voted our most o- overrated aspect of 1990s football is because now he's a bonkers man. I think that is probably why people would have stick the boot in and don't tech no don't not everyone probably agrees my opinion there may be a few but there is probably that aspect to the fact that he's now a loony that um he's, he won that but on the underrated poll we are now proclaiming that the 1994-95 Premier League season is the most underrated and therefore the best Premier League season of all time happy with that That's Ed. The-
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, I was I was happy with that, actually. I had a couple of people send me messages and stuff saying that they'd never thought about 94, 95, because it kind of gets lost behind 95, 96, and yeah. Keegan's yeah. rant, and, you know, all the Cantonal 1-0 wins, and, you know, everything that happened in... You know, the Newcastle Liverpool 4 3 game. But when you list out 94 95, there's actually quite a lot of stuff there. And whenever Premiership years is on, it's always worth a watch. It's yeah. always worth
0: a watch. We're out of control. Exactly. Yeah. With uh, Georgie Thompson. we mm-hmm. to Georgie Thompson. She still did stuff in America.
1: Probably. Yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah. I met, I met her once briefly in an airport. She's about four foot two. Yeah. She's meant to be dinky, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, which yes, is, yeah, which uh, is
0: for me to say that someone is small is uh, says a lot actually. But yeah, so 1994. Well, you, well we, and even when we were going through it, we forgot. You know, you forgot to mention like George Graham yeah, being sacked was another Sartre, thing,
2: yeah. which was yeah, George... such a massive
0: deal At the time because you know oh. fin- financial bungs or whatever you want to yeah. call them weren't really something we saw. In in our game, I know it had been heard in Europe, and then someone of some a profile like mm. George Graham, who had been the title winner just a few seasons before, double yeah. title winner if you could go into the next dec- uh, the previous decade as well. On that famous yeah. night in at Anfield, I just remember I remember the shock of that, and like it's one of those things when you are a kid, you can't imagine the team that you when you get into football when you first see big managers leave, you can't imagine yeah. the team without
1: a manager. I know Fergie, oh,
0: disclaimer, yeah, but, but George Graham yeah. was the Arsenal manager. You were like, well, what happens yeah. now?
1: Yes, um, very much so. I, remember, I generally remember that. It was, uh, I think it was around like half term, right? Seriously, <laughs> we went to school, right? And it was like, I was, I'm pretty sure I remember being at home and like um, one of my mates came around and he was like, George Graham's been sacked from Arsenal. It's was like, like, you know, real shock, because as yeah, you say, yeah. you expected George Graham to still be the manager of Arsenal now when you're a kid. Do you see what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't see anybody else doing it. And then they replaced him. Obviously, I love the caretaker, Stuart Houston. I love that so um you know stuart houston was a caretaker for a few months after that but but yeah so yeah
0: we forgot that i love Um, the way you say stuart houston with a twinkle in your eye waiting for me to
1: bite yeah exactly yeah because you qpr link yeah but um i'll tell you something else i forgot as well duncan ferguson came out of prison do you remember that is that when he went in
0: for attacking a burglar
1: he, no 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 that was when he, he um he uh chinned someone on the pitch oh that was well, the pitch one
0: <laughs> sorry He's his, yeah
1: and um he he signed i think he'd signed for everton but in the meantime he'd been sentenced to, to i think it was a couple of months or something and i remember ever i generally remember this everton laid on a limo to pick him up from the jail i was like how how sort of brilliant is that um <laughs> And then I think his first game might be one of his first games back was to score in the Merseyside derby, which Everton yes, won. I remember that. Really, yeah. I think after after about eight games, they only had like one or two points, and that's when Joe Royal came in. Dogs yeah. that was his, one of his started. first games, wasn't it? Maybe even his first game. Yeah, was it Joe Royal. First game. It was Roy his right? first yeah. game? Yeah, yeah, it was his first game. So it all sort of, you know, the Duncan Ferguson story is fascinating as well. So that's just another another thread to
0: 94-95 uh, yeah yeah well, uh, well there you go check it out check out georgie thompson's premier league years because uh, or oh, if you've got the video race for the title whatever it was called i'm sure there was one floating around watch watcher your... did you see the video saying that before i let our guest in did you see the vhs i got set many thanks i forgot i haven't written his name down but a very nice person on twitter sent me uh the v- vhs of the all the goals from usa 94 which is really? uh, yeah which is great i mean i haven't got anything to play it on <laughs> yeah I do I do have a collection of VHS videos from GBR season videos and whatnot that yeah. I do need to convert to some sort of, well, I'll say DVD, but even that's becoming... Is it actually silly. like an official video? The official or video from
1: right. USA Night 4, which not is
0: probably on YouTube somewhere and I can just download it.
1: So, it's not recorded off the TV. And no, that'd be even comes better on I halfway think. through or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, they could go watch the adverts. Do you ever do that as yeah. well when you get videos? Remember those? Oh, do you remember yeah. that advert? Do you remember yeah. that advert? Yeah. yeah. Classic. There comes Bobby Robson and the BT advert and Graham Taylor and that old classic one. Yeah. Right. We are doing a My 90s today. So, let's get cracking with that. We're going to the East End to talk My 90s, which had quite an up and down decade. Uh, for the hammers so we will talk all things claret and blue and not the new burnley home kit which looks very 90s and is sponsored by classic football shirts well done guys friends of the show i uh, just thought we that a nod anyway that's talk to our guest and get knee deep into west ham after this Before you get stuck into the brand new episode of Alive and In, I'm delighted to announce a partnership with the amazing Footy Devotion. Footy Devotion have a brilliant range of t-shirts, coasters, prints and mugs, all illustrated by the amazing team at Footy Devotion and inspired by the 1990s as well, with a special range dedicated to Italia 19. And because you listen to Alive and Kickin', the original 1990s football podcast, you can get 10% off your order. Simply use the code AK90s at the checkout and you'll get 10% off. That's AK90s, so AK90s, and 10% off your order. Jobs are good. Check out Footy Devotion on Twitter, at Footy Devotion, and the whole range. I've got a few myself. I've got the brilliant 3 p.m. sweatshirt. I'm looking at a brilliant QPR print kit I've got on my wall. And there's loads and loads to choose from, from World Cups to clubs and many, many more. So check out Footy Devotion. And as always, keep it 90s. Welcome back to Alive and In on a day where we are basically melting in a volcano in the UK. I know I'm dating this, but we wouldn't be British if we didn't moan about the weather. And it's very, very hot at the moment. Um, so, But we're going to talk some 1990s when wasn't quite as hot but maybe someday as well and um, we're doing a my 90s and we're doing a my 90s on West Ham United today which will be very interesting I was doing some research before and I you know the things that pop into your mind that you forget so I'm looking forward to getting into all that and to do it with us joining us is author of a brand new West Ham book which we'll talk about as well Daniel Hurley Daniel welcome to a life of kicking sir yeah thank you for having me how how are you on this how are you coping in in the heat um
2: as a as a red-headed man it's uh... a <laughs> It's a danger, and um, there's a meme going around on social media. I've been tagged about ten times saying this is like the Hunger Games. I love for, it. Yeah, I was. And, I was uh,
0: I'd seen that, and I was about to say it because I just think that's the yeah. great,
2: whoever came up with it, genius. And, and they're, they're spot on as well. I can tell you that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just uh, staying as cool as possible yeah in, indeed indeed
0: yeah we've got a friend haven't we Ed, in our whatsapp group who is of the same red persuasion and he's been getting <laughs> a few of those memes his way hasn't he
1: yeah <laughs> i'm starting to feel i'm starting to feel a bit sorry for him because every time anyone sees like a ginger joke yeah. basically it's like
0: yeah let's send it to him yeah quick yeah. and
1: it's like it's a bit unfair really <laughs> yeah you know, i did that <laughs> in my
0: in, in my real life and my wife says, don't say it's him every time we yeah. see a ginger person somewhere i go oh, look there's and it's very, really, it's kind of yeah it's gingerous, but it's in love I love, we all love it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I feel for <laughs> you. feel for you. Well, let's talk football in the 90s. And that's talk your new book, sir. Because I know you've written a bit before that was based on a, a crazy era in West Ham's uh, sort of history where they talked. you talked about, obviously, the Argentinians arrived, the great escape and all that. Yeah. This one, a bit broader. It's the games that made us. And you're sort of looking back at all the big games in West Ham's history. Tell us a bit about the book, where you can get it and what, what sort of delights are inside. <laughs>
2: The idea is to basically tell in the last 30 years, which is the time I've been a supporter. Um, and so I'm telling that through 50 games, but rather than 50 best or 50 worst, I've gone for like 50 most important. Okay. So I'll try a little bit of a different slant. Um, different it's obviously, there still are some very big games in there, but there's also some slightly more niche games that kind of led to a thing or culminated in a thing, you know, that sort of thing, rather than just because I didn't want to do a list type book because then all you do is get criticized by everyone for not playing. Yeah. Totally. game number 28 and what have yeah, you yeah. so yeah it's done chronologically um yeah from 92 onwards I've picked at least one book for every year or uh, one game rather for every year um and yet yeah, kind of telling the story partly through the club's perspective but then also through my perspective as a fan and um, which hopefully people will resonate with um I kind of start from my very beginning uh, as a fan in 92 and we go right away through to uh the Europa League run at the end of this uh, last wow. season, so try to and keep when, it as um, current as possible.
0: And when that is that available for for fans to go and check uh, out? It's
2: released on August the fifteenth. Nice. Um, pre-orders now. Um, yeah, it's uh, available via kind of all major sites you no know, Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith, uh, via my publishers at Pidge Publishing. The Good um, folk, Yeah, yeah, good guys. And if you'd like to um, talk to me, and maybe if you'd like a signed copy, I can do those um, on social media I'm at D Hurley Books. Good stuff. Uh, nice and obvious and uh, yeah just feel free to contact me on there um we'll be running signed books from basically as soon as we receive them which is a couple of days beforehand so
0: good stuff check that out then we'll do another plug before we go but no excited <laughs> to read that does the words into toto get a mention um during your book it does yeah it
2: does <laughs> up until how this season how great is that great european night <laughs>
0: um I will, before we get stuck into your memories i'm going to throw ed under the bus as i always do at this point on this and go ed your what when I say West Ham in the 1990s, what are the first sort of flickers that, that come into your mind? Do you know what? Before you start, the first name that came into my head, Stuart Slater. Yeah. I don't know why. I just really? remember Stuart Slater okay. in those early 90s yeah. being the next big thing and the never yeah. quite fulfilling that potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Gordon where, where does yeah. where does your head take you when we think of West Ham in this? No, I, I yeah, I remember I
1: yeah, well I remember Stuart Slater, yeah, to, to take that from there. He was um, part of that West Ham Cup run, I think, in 1991. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of my first real memory of West Ham actually to being in that FA Cup semi final against Forest, uh where Tony Gale got sent off really early mm-hmm. in the Proceedings, and they they ended up losing losing quite heavily actually on a day. But in terms of West Ham in the 90s, uh, to be a bit cliche, given the Albert Square link, it very much was a uh, soap opera. There was promotions, <laughs> there was relegations, there were signings of international stars who just didn't bother being international stars as soon as they got here. Um, there was the bond scheme, which was. Uh, all about uh, turning the stands behind the goal into all-seater stadium. Following the following the Taylor report, there was a lot of controversy over how that was going to be funded, and I remember sort of pitch invasions and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, just sort of general. Um, you know, I mean, at, at the end of the nineties, they they started to get a really good sort of side together under Harry Redknapp, if I remember if I remember rightly. Um, and of Absolutely. course. You know, and of course, as we talked in the um, in the in the uh, in the intro about George Graham when he left Arsenal, and you think, well, George Graham can't leave Arsenal, and another player that you thought couldn't leave Arsenal was Ian Wright, yeah, because um, yeah. he just felt like he was Mister Arsenal. But of course, he leave he left uh, he left Arsenal and ended up at West Ham in the late nineties. So yeah, there's a there's a lot to get your teeth into with west ham which is what i'm looking i'm looking forward to i have to just sort of say i did mention the bond scheme there the reason i mentioned that was that when i was a kid I thought it meant the Billy Bonds scheme because he was the manager, and <laughs> so that's the denied. only. Fact- I, I really, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't know. I, I, I asked I did read up a little bit about it because I'd forgotten some of it. But it was like, right, okay, they've got you know, that's a scheme behind the manager. I didn't understand it at all when I was a kid. But uh, there you go. There was so, probably yeah. a few schemes
0: behind Harry Redknapp, the manager, later on as well. But, yeah, but be- don't
1: don't call him that. Oh don't yeah, say he's I did Wheeler say he was dealer. Wheeling Daily, and I
0: didn't use that Yeah, don't terms. say that. He yeah, still he doesn't like that, either. does he? I saw a clip of him on social media over the weekend of him looking yeah. back at that interview, and he's still yeah. really annoyed by that term. Yeah. Um, yeah, as probably. a QPR fan, I can take the mickey out of him because he didn't end <laughs> that yeah. sweet for Harry at Loftus Road, but it obviously did for West Ham. Um, Dan, let's start. We always give you categories to talk through, so let's start with the most obvious. Um, I'm assuming your player of the 90s West Ham won't be Mark Boogers or Florian <laughs> um, Who Who are we going for?
2: They were second and third yeah. um, <laughs> obviously, a player can only really be julian Dix. On this, um, just encapsulated everything there was a lot to there was a lot of dislike about west ham in the 90s but i think as a as a fan he was everything that um, that you did like and it, obviously everyone remembers the tackles and what have you people don't remember he actually went i think 45 games without being booked in around 95 96 it was over there was a lot, quite a groundswell campaign for him to actually make the Euro squad. And within that season, I think he got booked once for a whole season leading up to it. But Venables decided he was um, too much of a liability, which to be fair, I don't 100% disagree with. And with, with Stuart Pearce, we were quite well stopped there anyway. But um, just an all-round, I don't think people really give him credit for how good a footballer he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a time when he was playing at left-back and he was our main creative outlet. You know, nice. like we had I remember a sort of spell in ninety-seven where we had Mike Newell playing on, on his own up front, which was a quite a dark time. And our entire game plan of scoring a goal was based around Dicks either scoring a goal from left back or setting someone up or being our main um, target man from corners, which is incredible. So I think he was about five ten.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think there is I think there is a case for the I think there is a case um, there that there are certain players that have got that hard man stigma yeah, that are actually yeah. very good footballers. But unfortunately, and that is partly down to their own fault, it mm. gets lost in translation because they were actually decent footballers. And I think that goes right the way back actually to like the 60s and 60s and 70s, you know, players like Tommy Smith and stuff at Liverpool and what have you. And there was this, you know, Julian Dix was a, Julian Dix was a good footballer. Like, You know, the, his left foot, I mean, just, you know, he was very, very talented <laughs> with that left foot. Mm. I was, yeah, was just thinking
0: end. as you said that, sorry Dan that I was listening to a podcast the other day I was Theo Delaney's obviously podcast and they, the guy they had on um, was talking about Norman Hunter and he was saying yes. how he was because I, I obviously uh, someone our ages, we hear of, I think he was even called Bite Your Legs, wasn't he? Norman yeah, he Hunter was, yeah, yeah, like that's what yeah. we know but he was saying how good of a footballer he was and I do think I agree with you I think some of these players um, yes, I have that reputation for a reason and when you said tackles there Dan, oh, I always remember that tackle that he did on John Spencer, I think, was on a Monday night football. Yeah, in corner of stamped on his head,
1: didn't he?
0: Yeah, I say Tacker was yeah. probably yeah, yeah. Was more like a stamp in. And then, yeah. it's those instances, sadly, that people remember more. Yeah. And actually, he was a decent footballer. excellent penalty taker as well. If I remember Julian Dix, so yeah, net, yeah, outstanding. If Nets had feelings, it's they'd be very much <laughs> not, not looking forward to facing Julian yeah. Dix. He used to welly that ball into the net. I used to, <laughs> I used to, I used to worry. but Yeah, I think he was unfairly. And also, let's be honest, I mean, I know Liverpool were a funny old team in the mid-90s, but there's a certain truth and you don't get a move to a club like Liverpool if you're just a hard man. And I know Soonis made some odd signings, but I think that was one that obviously had some merit to it. Don't you think, Dan?
2: I agree. Yeah. Uh, And like I said, obviously that Liverpool team, I think they were maybe two, three years off winning the league. And Asunis was in the process of rebuilding, but, um, at the time, I think he'd been linked with Chelsea as well. It wasn't just kind of an out out of nowhere uh, move. Obviously, Chelsea more of a mid-table level, but still a bigger club than West Ham at the time. Um, yes, yeah, so we'd been linked periodically for quite some time and a lot of that, I think, because of the actual ability as much as a, a reputation.
0: Yeah, I, I it was. I always remember he grew his hair as well. It was like he went to Liverpool and didn't, <laughs> yeah. and he didn't want to have like the skinhead that he's pretty much known for at West Ham, and he, he had these curly locks that came through. And yeah. I mean, I think he was at West Ham, uh, uh, sorry, at Liverpool, a really difficult transitional time, and it didn't work out for him. It didn't work out for Nigel Clough, but it was a bit of an odd move, really. But what do you reckon about that time in Julie Dick's career? Ed?
1: Um, yeah, I was just sort of laughing there that you said that he's. Uh... He he moved to uh, he moved to Liverpool. And just didn't want to be Julian Dix anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a strange strange time. That I, I think I think it can be. I mean, a lot of Liverpool fans. I think Session, who was on last week, I think Julian Dix is you know one of the worst signings they made <laughs> in that era. But it, sometimes it's down to timing and lifestyle and what have you. Perhaps Julian Dix just didn't feel as comfortable up in Liverpool as he did at West Ham and West Ham was his was his club. And you get that with certain players that they they're great at one club. As soon as you move them to another, um, they completely lose their identity. And I think Julian Dix did lose his way a bit at Liverpool and didn't get regain his confidence until he returned to West Ham. Yeah. There are I completely there's, agree.
0: There's a lot to be said. You're right. Like some players just fit, don't they? Like you can't yeah. really There is. This is the connection happens, and that happened with Julian Dix.
2: I do believe, though. I think this is right. I think he was the last Liverpool player to score at the old cop.
0: Really? Oh, that's a good. That's a good fact. I think that yeah. might be right, actually. I'm, s- I'm saying yeah. that
2: without checking it, but I have a memory. Yeah. I think there was another goal after that. I think it was from an opposition player.
1: I think yeah, he was, was Jeremy, the last Jeremy Goffs. I did know that. Yeah. It was Jeremy Goss.
0: Yeah, that was um, in my head as well. Why do yeah. we know things <laughs> like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like, we, we always say, uh, Dan, you know, like when you're at school and stuff, I couldn't tell you anything that I learned at school <laughs> about t- 25 years after I left here. But, um, if someone says to me, Who's the last bloke to score in front of the cup? I'll just yeah. go, Yeah, it was Jeremy Goss. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, comes, yeah. it just comes naturally. Just describe uh, the goal, yeah. yeah, just, yeah. I can see the goal, game.
0: I can see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's exactly. so bizarre. If we could yeah. put this talent to something that made us money, that we'd be, be quid <laughs> in, really, wouldn't we?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the dream. Uh, well, but obviously, uh, when you know. Unfortunately, no one's really interested in, in,
0: in that. <laughs> also, we played. You know, we get a good big fee for this podcast, obviously, obviously being the original yeah. 1990s football podcast. But you know, we're always open to, to sponsorship or anything like that. You know, it's yeah. up on Twitter and stuff. And, um, and
2: free, stuff. free
0: stuff, free stuff. Yeah, we've established that. That's, yeah, we we like free stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've put Julian Dix then as our as your player of the of the 90s for West Ham. Um, let's talk games, which is obviously very prevalent now. You've just written a book on games as well, so we've, you've picking one from the 90s was probably a bit. Harder for you because if you've just done a book on kind of the whole of the you know last thirty yeah, I, years, I, what was the one you plumped for in the end?
2: I, I went back and forth because there was two that kind of really sprang to mind. One was a four three win against Spurs, um, where in all likelihood we were probably going to get relegated. I mean, that was the end of the, the Mike Newell era I mentioned a minute ago. Do you know what? And
0: when you said Mike Newell, sorry to interrupt you there, I, yeah. I had no memory of Mike Newell ever playing for West Ham. I had to go and Google. Yeah, well, I, was um, exact, I was exactly yeah. the
1: same. And I, I just he went on loan, to, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, yeah I just I've tried to Google to that. It, I, can promise you. I, don't re- I have no memory of that. I that's love that. Just, that's that's, that's, the that's, 90s yeah. yeah, was, yeah. 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 yeah you sorry, Dave. carry on. I thought something we didn't
2: know. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, and we signed Hearts and Kitson. They both scored that night. Rio Ferdinand had broke in, and we kind of moved on from that, and kind of went from a, a quite frankly a poor team. And within two years, we qualified for Europe. And I think the genesis of a lot of that was that night. But by the same token, if um, there's a game in the '90s that's probably most synonymous with West Ham, it'd be the Jeff you mentioned last week from the greatest Premier League season of all time, 1994-95. <laughs> just uh, the nine united on the last day
1: mm.
2: which yeah. i was at and was absolutely incredible to be part of
1: yeah I what mean, is that i'm oh, sorry i'll just jump in there i was like what is that like as a supporter of a team that you're you're not going to go up you're not going to go down but you know that the other team man united have got something riding on on the game like something so i mean what is that what is that like? Are you sort of cheering the fact that United haven't won the league or are you just not that bothered about it? What was your feelings like on that day? At the time, at the time I was only like ten. So right. like I've been I'd
2: been a fan for about three years at this point, kind of going every home game. So I kind of kind of got it, but kind of didn't. I just Manchester United at that point were like the the scariest group of people I'd ever seen in my life. Like they would just seem like bigger, bigger boys, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like Ince and Pallister and Bruce and Hughes. Like it just seemed unrealistic to me that you could even score a goal against like Schmeichel. I'm still to this day, pretty certain he's bigger than the actual goal. <laughs> in my mind anyway. Yeah. So like, it felt like an, an impossible task anyway, like to do it. So the kind of, I didn't really think, in the end, I was kind of more just like open mouthed that what we were managing to pull off that day, which, I mean, they could have played that game 99 times with the chances they had in the second half and they'd have won it, or if they played it 100 times, rather than they'd have won it 99. Yeah. To, to not score again in the 35 minutes that they essentially spent in and around our goal line.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're they're absolutely, they absolutely battered you that day. Um,
2: yeah. and first uh... half, we were a better team. Yeah. They were nervous and we went in 1-0 up and deserved to be. And I think Blackburn were 1-0 up as well. So yeah. you kind of see the little bit like it was going to be a procession.
1: Yeah.
2: And then I think Liverpool equalised and United equalised around the same moment and then kind of it all kicked off. Basically. Yeah. It still amazes me actually comparing the 90s to now as well how up with everything everybody in the ground was. Obviously there's no phones. Yes. Yeah. No anything. But so the everybody old wireless on the air, isn't it? Yeah. going on. Yeah, you like, like it was absolute chaos. I, I've never seen a I've, I've never seen a game of football like it to be honest. Because yeah. even the Manchester City QPR game, I don't think there was that urgency because it seemed like it was too far away until they equalised.
0: Yeah, and you I think also with QPR they, I mean they almost felt like I think Stoke Bolton ended earlier, although some of the players will tell you that they didn't know the result. So not, they didn't down tools. Cause I think only half the pit after the QPR players knew at that point, I think mm. if you were on that side of the pitch with the, with the dugouts, I think you knew that they were okay. They didn't need to push on. They didn't need to stop them from scoring. Um, Nedim Nur talks about it in great detail on a, on a podcast, which is really interesting to like the dynamics of somebody who was playing in that game was a Man City fan, but was playing for QPR and his job was on the line. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird dynamic to be the other team in that mm. kind of in that scenario. I suppose Liverpool fans would say the same on, on, on my other end. I just remember Ludo McCloskey just having the game of his life. Like, I've got big love for Ludo because he came to KPR afterwards and did a decent service. Um, obviously, he's a West Ham legend. But, I mean, well, I always wonder about this. What's your view on it, Dan? Were West Ham just brilliant defensively and Ludo had a great game? Or just were May United wasteful in terms of what they created?
2: I think A little bit of both. I think... Mm you kind of talk about us having nothing to play for. I think United kind of was so intense, our players almost got swept along with it. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like all of a sudden we were defending, like there's a, a scramble near the end. I think Tim Breaker, another QPR.
0: Oh, we'll get to that. Don't in, worry. Oh, we definitely <laughs> get Tim Breaker.
2: Um, but I think he clears the ball off the line at the end, which is one of the greatest and most kind of passionate clearances I've ever seen. There was no reason for us to be doing this. Right. It was like, would we come 13th or 15th? But I think United, I think, you know, to use a kind of classic football phrase, by the end, we're kind of trying too hard. And I think, like, obviously Cole, Andy Cole, um, was kind of synonymous with a few misses that day. It wasn't just him, there were others as well. But I think by the end, they were kind of trying too hard to beat McClosco rather than just doing what they would do and would score a goal because you know, that's what they did in that era, Fergie time, et cetera. But... Um, yeah, to be there, I mean, I, I still remember bits of it clearly. It's 27 years ago now. And um, where I was sitting at the time, if you remember the end towards the Bobby Moore stand, I was sitting in the East stand up, up, up towards that end. So I kind of was levelled at penalty area. was Essentially just watching the entire game up and below me. And you were, you could, you were aware then you were witnessing something that was unlike probably anything you'd ever see again.
1: And yeah, I'd say
2: that's still the case to be completely truthful. Mm. I Do- always think of that uh
1: sorry, I was gonna say I always think of that game as well. There was an incentive from the West Ham fans to see Paul Lintz, uh Paul Ince lose the title because yeah. he he obviously left West Ham in sort of controversial circumstances. And um, you know, there was always a bit of a bit of a needle between uh, him and uh, him and West Ham every time he went there. So um I think there was probably a little bit of that as well going on actually. Mm-hmm. I also there's yeah. a little bit of history with West Ham and Man United
0: since as well. Like you think of the Tevez goal at Old Trafford. Yeah. There's the Caneo goal not to of the FA Cup at Old Trafford. I remember yeah the, Barthes, like mm. look thinking it was offside, and I remember that. And it always seems like a I wouldn't go as far as say bogey <laughs> team, but there was always yeah. and you always got a feeling that Man United West Ham there was kind of there could be an upset that happened, and it all kind of stems from it's almost like it scarred them
2: slightly yeah. over the years. Well, I think the subplot is we had that's not to the same extent, but we've kind of done this to them before in '92. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was slightly before my time, but yeah. um, we beat them one nil at the very tail end of the '91-'92 season that Leeds won the league. Mm-hmm. It did. I'm not sure if Leeds like were confirmed champions from that night. I just don't know that, but I know that that win essentially. Made it nigh on impossible for Leeds to not win the league. I think Ferguson called out because we finished bottom of the league that season. Mm, that's mm. right. And I think Ferguson called the players' efforts obscene. And um, you know, if they if they played like that all season, they wouldn't be in the position they were. Which,
1: to be fair, probably fair enough. Yeah. But it doesn't I don't sound mean... like doesn't sound like Ferguson, does it? it doesn't sound <laughs> yeah. like sort the of mind thing. game. Feels so well. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that is that is right. Um, it was is... uh, 1992, wasn't it? it was that's uh, not the result? Kenny, all... Kenny okay. Brown scored.
0: I think the Man United-Liverpool game is the game they showed on the match that then they went to Lee Chapman and Eric Cantar and David Bay and Gary McCasper wearing a suit, which always makes me laugh because the rest of them in club track suits and he's on the end.
1: This was a week before or or during the week before that. So I think that defeat then kind of made the Liverpool-Man United game even more important and even more difficult for United, a difficult hurdle for United and obviously they didn't. They didn't. Uh, they didn't cross that hurdle that time. But um, yeah. So the, yeah. I think um, obviously, down to right. There is. There was a bit of probably needle hanging over from that as well. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well. No. Good game.
0: And obviously, we are now championing the '94-'95 season as the greatest ever in Premier League history. So
1: that is yeah, we nicely are the, timed. Uh... We are the official sponsor. The <laughs>
0: official sponsor of, of that season, of that bonkers uh, Premier League season. Uh, we've t- we'll, go- we'll leave gold for a second, and that's go to my... Uh, le- the smile comes on my face when we talk about kits. Uh, West Ham, that. fair up and down kit history, I'd say, in the 90s, they are sufferers of a- the pony scourge on the 1990s, which uh, they're classic, but I don't know if ever really the fans of clubs who had them see them in the same way. But if you're picking a West Ham kit from the 1990s, Dan, what are we going to?
2: My answer is quite a simple one. Um, I think it's our home kit from the 97-98 season for one reason. And I'll never know to this day why this was the case, but we didn't have a sponsor for the entire season right yeah we we were we think we finished eighth in the premier league that season yet couldn't find a single company to sponsor us <laughs> <laughs> um so for the entire season we had a sponsorless kit which was it was quite a nice kit anyway but was made to look 15 times better because yeah it was sponsorless and i just i'll never know how we i think dr martin started sponsoring us yes. the second season right? yeah but I will never know how, as an established Premier League club, we managed to go the whole season without anybody sponsoring the club.
0: Yeah, that's so it bizarre. Was- well, according to historical football kits, which is a great website for any kit, uh, kit geek who probably knows it already, like Dr. Minds came in and from April of that season, which seems even more strange. Like, why would you sponsor a club from April? At the end of the season And in, obviously into the next season Maybe the deal could just start straight away I suppose Because you had no sponsor But that's it's really interesting Anyone knows Listening Hit us up on Twitter yeah. Why did West Ham Not have a sponsor In the 97-98 season That's area But that, I, yeah I agree Nice kit Big proper 90s collar Which seems yeah. to have come back this year actually There's a few kits And the main United And the Arsenal kits Have got big collars Which I'm all for um, That was Pony though wasn't it That was the last Pony kit I think that of that, Pony? Yeah, yeah of that era So which was probably their best effort the ones that i think everyone remembers is the one where they basically put their logo a- across the whole shirt it. yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They did that for sort of
1: 94ish wasn't it? yeah south yeah.
0: got it um yeah. both in home and away because they had a blue yeah. and two-tone blue away kit as well i think totten got away with it actually because Tottenham had pony kits around this time yeah. i don't think they had the tick ish or whatever the logo-y yeah. kit may have may have been on the away but they obviously didn't have it on their all white home kit but no, that is a very nice kit. I'm I'm a bit partial to the the really early '90s one, which I think the new shirt's slightly homage to. With they yeah. the new shirt's got the graffiti, isn't it on the on the sides? Yes. But I think they're claiming. I don't know if it's quite
2: there to be honest. No, I think it, I think it is bizarrely in homage to '91 '92, yeah. where we finished bottom. <laughs> yeah. Forget the season; it's about yeah. the design. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I
0: think I complained when it came out. I, I, I think think it's, it's there, and I love Umbro, and I think Umbro were the, one of the best kit makers out there. But I would like a little bit more. Like the collars are different, the the, the little sides looks uh, stripes don't come up the side. I, I think it's one of the best kits of the season, but I, th- I think the homage to the the ninety one is not quite enough. For me but that's yeah you know i'm a geek so i would i, would
1: <laughs> I go think for you that. should um i think you should with the 97 98 thing i think you should until someone tells you different just go with the line that barcelona used that nobody was good enough to have <laughs> <at> their sponsor <laughs> over your shirt and I think I think you should probably go with that not even Dagenham
0: Motors well <laughs> I was about
1: to say I was about to say maybe West Ham always felt like in the 90s it felt like a Premier League team that had local blokes sponsoring <laughs> them so yeah. it's like Dagenham Motors now I realise that is a big operation but like if you didn't know anything about Dagenham Motors you just thought it was a car salesman I think they had B is it BAC, BAC, windows, or yeah. BAC yeah. windows which just sounds like Dave down the road <laughs> and then they ended the night with uh, ended the night they ended this uh, decade with um doc martin's which was you know pretty west end because you could use doc martin's to keep yeah. people's yeah. heads in which is probably what clubs very cool west Ham was synonymous for in the 80s yeah
0: so uh yeah sponsors were funny like that that's you know the better aren't mate like local firms or as we yeah. i think we spoke about the other week random electronic or black and decker yeah. type companies that you've never yeah. heard of Get rid of the gambling sponsors and all that. Keep your oh, eye yeah. on something Definitely. this season. I don't even understand what it is. I've read the blurb about six or seven times. It's called Convivia, yeah. and it's one of those companies that have long words in their description and something to do with property investment. I don't know. It's not, not really. gambling, so I'm quite happy about that. But yeah, it looks nice on the shirt. Though. Um, I, I would say that um, West, <laughs> West Ham also have the. Uh, they went a crew a bit as well in the uh, in the nineties, if I remember rightly.
2: Yeah, that was the other one I was suggesting, but <laughs> random, I owned that shirt. I my think shirt. it's the most uncomfortable thing I've ever worn. <laughs> <laughs> I remember wearing it like proudly out with my friends on a Thursday night, and I think I made it halfway down the road. I was like, I've got to go and take this off. I yeah. It was like stabbing me in about four different places. <laughs> so, um, yeah, pro- aesthetically very nice, but um, I don't, if Does you that wore have it, you're a tougher man than me. Did that have a
1: sponsor on it, Dan? That was the season was before. The yeah,
0: that was the season before this one. So, so before, yeah, yeah, 96, 97. Um, right. I think shirts in the 90s were like that. They weren't comfy. Like The material was, it got very bobbly after a couple of washes. They were baggy, always like baggy shirts. <laughs> like, if you go to classic football shirts now and look at a shirt that's you would say was for your size, you pick it up and go, there's just no way. Like They look so much, it's the Michael Owen factor. I always think of little Michael Owen at the end of the 90s wearing these massive England shirts and Liverpool shirts so it's just to look like his dad just handed them down to him. They weren't the brand new, but I don't know, it was the time, sign of the times, baggy shirts.
2: Uh, I remember his big. debut, at, I think at Wimbledon coming on, he literally yeah. looked like he had someone else's kit on. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, it always yeah.
0: looked, even towards the end of his career, I mean, Michael Owen is a guy of my stature, but yeah, he wasn't kind of made out for those big, baggy 90s, sort of, sort of mid to late 90s shirts with the big collars as well. Uh, You've yeah, no, like def- gone to Lost
1: Property to find, find yeah. some kit for PA, yeah.
0: Definitely. Oh, poor little Michael. Um, goals. That's all goals, Dan. Um, I We alluded to an, uh, one earlier, which was from 2000, which is the obvious probably one of the best Premier League goals in history in Paolo Di Canio. Excellent assist from Travis Sinclair that always, always gets overlooked as well. Um, you can't include that one. Don't roll your eyes, Ed. Um, you can't, <laughs> you can't <laughs> pick that one. So what has been your goal of the decade for, for West Ham? Um,
2: my, this is a really niche, uh, Love it. the most niche um, selection I'll make. It's a goal from November 1992, uh, in the cha- well, now the championship in first division. Julian Dix, again, uh, it's the third, he's first of two goals and our third goal in a 5-3 win at home to Oxford. Right. This is out there. Um, <laughs> I like it, thing. I like it. Yeah. I don't know of it, so I'm interested. A of it. um, it's a, it's a more of a personal story for me because um, I, my dad had just started taking me to football at the start of that season. You mentioned the bond scheme earlier, Ed, and um, my uncle, my dad's brother-in-law, um, they went to football together before that and my uncle decided, sick of the pitch invasion, sick of everything, decided he wasn't going to go anymore. So my dad, for the first time, I think in his life, had no one to go to football with. And this is where me at seven years old came in. Biggest problem was I had no interest in football whatsoever. <laughs> didn't, didn't like playing it, didn't like watching it. It was something he was basically making me do. And I think you'll appreciate this a lot, Ash. Um, for the first few games, I wouldn't go unless I could take a carrier bag full of WWF <laughs> wrestling figures. See some behind you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would you think our football's changed? I would would let me in the ground with I'm knocking in ten six inch lumps of plastic.
0: <laughs> those <laughs> I mean those
2: Legion of Dean figures, they've got <laughs> spikes, they're <later> literally <laughs> deadly. <laughs> yeah. And I'd sit and watch, well, I'd sit and play my feet with my figures while we were getting beat 1-0 by like Swindon. I remember the game against Charlton. I think me and my dad were the only people there, it felt like. And I had no interest in it whatsoever. And I remember a couple of times looking around and people would actually be watching Hulk Hogan v a million-dollar man <laughs> in my seat rather than the game. That was how bad it was for a while.
0: Would have been a classic at the time. That's it was a good match. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Hulk, Hulk went over in the end. Oh, well. As he always oh, did. Always did, <laughs> always did. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... um. I think by, by that point, I remember the Oxford game, which it, it genuinely was that game. I thought, he's going to keep taking me. I'm going to leave him in the car today and see if I can enjoy the match. So we went one nil down in two minutes, as you do. Uh, equalized pretty much straight away, which I think was now on the first goal I'd seen. Like, I didn't even really know that was a thing we were doing at that point. Um, and then went two one up, Tim Breaker again. Uh, and then the third goal was from Julian Dix, which I think it was Kevin Keane laid the ball back to him for 25 yards. It was one of the purest strikes you'll ever see, uh, left-footed into the top corner. And I was hooked within that moment. It had me. We ended up winning 5-3. Um, the following week, I think we played Birmingham. We were 1-0 down with five minutes to go and three one 3-1. And I think I missed two home games in the next 13 years after that, until wow. I went to Universal. Like the absolute, like I just thought just a random game. I thought well, he's going to keep taking me. I don't really want to be doing this, but I might <laughs> as well try and enjoy it. And yeah, by the end of that game, I was like, when can we go again? Yeah. Uh, the I reason that. that goal is great as well is the YouTube clip. And I think West Ham put it up on an on this day clip. And the the camera doesn't keep up with the ball.
1: Mm. Which is exactly in my it, yeah. mind how it was. Yeah, I watched it. I, I've slightly cheated here, Ash, that Dan told me that that was going to be his goal that he was going to use. And... Um... So I did, yeah, I used the YouTube thing. And I was like, oh, great, that was a good goal. But I didn't see any of it. I was like, is that the one scored <laughs> by Dix? Because he just, the cameraman just missed it completely. Then you have to wait for one the is Yeah, you have to wait for the replay. And you're like, oh, right, that was Julian Dix. But yeah, well, it was a great goal. I'm going to try and put it up later on, actually. Yeah. Very good goal. Yeah. You, you the only
0: thing, Sorry, go on, go on.
1: No, the only thing that's
2: wrong with my memory versus the goal is the ball doesn't burst into flame, which in my head, I think it did. <laughs>
1: yeah. so,
0: uh, yeah. it, it sounds to me like that clip is like watching Sky Sports coverage on the red button of the championship. I don't know if you've come across that, but it's one camera. There are no replays. There are one commentator. And at Loftus Road, because you're so low, because it's an old ground, You're quite the camera's quite low down. So there has been a couple of occasions where they haven't been able to the ball's just gone out of their shot and they've just gone like that and it's just yeah. it's a horrible I mean I, I sound spoilt when I moan about it because it's like brilliant you can watch a midweek game if you can't be there you can watch it on telly and it's 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 a nice thing to have but actually half the time it's not worth it because you don't get <laughs> to see anything and the commentator because he's on his own especially in games that die, and there's been many of them he just ends up just babbling on about some irrational nonsense it's it's a service that I, i'm i welcome to but i don't know if it really does what it says on the tin but yeah I just yeah, that's what it probably reminds uh, me of as well in modern comparing it um uh, to, to modern day but i love that personal story i love that your dad probably tells that story from a different slant mm. like he's not having it. he's just not he's not he's not interested i've got one more chance i'm going to take him now if he leaves yeah. those figures if he takes those figures again and then whatever you know that julian dix goal sparks into life so i love that personal
1: touch. how many stuff. um how many times in the last 30 years have you sort of gone i wish i hadn't listened to my dad like i wish i hadn't <laughs> do you know what i mean like when you get relegated and, yeah i know when you get relegated and you just think oh for christ's sake like why didn't i just carry on playing with those figures you know like you it's know, both just... the nicest
2: and worst thing he's ever done <laughs> yeah it's true yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I think for yeah. anyone, any f- fan. I mean, unless you're one of the elite clubs, I think for anyone who's followed their dad or even mum or granddad, whoever whoever's passed that you know curse or blessed curse down to them would say the same. At some point, I, I for sure did. For you know, I was quite lucky on my entry. Oh, we were a Premier League and we were top London club for uh, oh, the, there we uh, go, league. ding 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 ding. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, it's not been plain sailing. And what I was going to say to you before we get on to do your team is that the thing I always and I think QPR fans in general always say about West Ham in the nineties is that we gave you Trevor Sinclair and in return, you kindly gave us Tim Breaker yeah, Keith Rowland and Ian Dowie way past his best. It's like the worst transfer deal. Yeah. I think we
2: did. <laughs> yeah. I think it, I honestly think it's red. Knapp. I think I write this in the new book. I think it's red Knapp's best ever signing for us because of that as well. I don't know how we managed to convince no, you I, that was a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Like, we, I mean, I know, I think Trev wanted to leave because he stayed with us in the, what was now the championship, the, the first division for a season, um, scored that goal of the decade as well um, during that time. And I think at some point he wanted to leave. And that was part of the deal that when a club came in, we would let him, but how Harry negotiated getting, you know, no disrespect. They just weren't, Ian Derry was in his last, in his career, just possibly Keith Rowland as well. And Tim Breaker was always injured. So we always reflect on that. we got very much got the,
1: uh, the best of the deal. Didn't um, Sinclair go for a good value as well? It's not like there was, they was paid money you. involved as well. Yeah, yeah. Didn't it? It's not like they paid you millions for him. You know? It was about a million, about one point yeah, five. Yeah, think,
2: plus a couple of players. Yeah, yeah. it's an absolute Odd. steal.
1: And yeah. then by two
2: thousand and two, he
0: was in the England team. The yeah, World Cup. yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, got a lot of time for tricky Trev. Um, okay, we're picking an eleven to finish us off. Then Dan, how hard was this picking, narrowing down eleven from this decade?
2: It's quite difficult because obviously trying to keep it. Purely 90s as well. Some of the yeah. players kind of carry over. And there's a couple that are left out that would definitely be in, even if it ran to 2001, but mm. up till 99. Like, Canio's not in it. Yeah, you know, he'd only played for us that year. That year, you know, like, yeah. It was really kind of from 2000. I mean, there were glimpses in 99, so without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. But it really was kind of 2000 onwards. Kind yeah. of he became like the man. So, yeah. yeah that 99 difficult. team
0: is... is- one, you know, it finished fifth in the Premier League. Didn't it? it was, yeah, it and was. Didn't
2: a, qualify for Europe.
0: I know it was crazy. It was <laughs> one of the great West Ham teams, I think. But let's talk about yeah. your great. Um, come on, they're back four and, and goalie. I think the goalie's pretty obvious. Have we
2: mentioned him already? Um, yeah, goalie's uh, Ludo. Big I think Lude. he's pretty much the only goalie we had in the night. I don't ever <laughs> remember anyone else playing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's still so in goal still now, too, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, he was at the club as a coach for a long time after. Yeah. I think after he came back from CPR, but um. Yeah, fantastic goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, obviously he had the day out against Manchester United, but I just remember like from the other team having a corner, how deep they'd have to put the ball, like you know, sort of penalty spot. Because anywhere near it, he just come and catch it. Yeah. He was he was a like, big he lad was as well.
0: Enormous. Massive. Goalie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lo- yeah loved his goalkeeper. Loved his joggers as well. Loved, he was a goalie that'd wear yeah. joggers.
2: missed that. And um, do you guys know the story about us signing him and the other goalkeeper that they looked at? No. Which is Do a tell. story if, if people don't know this. Um, it was when uh Lou Macari was West Ham's manager in 1990 and they were they were scouting two goalkeepers and they, they plumped for Ludo because I think because he could join straight away and the other goalkeeper couldn't join to the end of the season, and the other goalkeeper was Peter Schmeichel Oh, uh, I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. I think, yeah, he's those... to stay oh, like, at Bromby till the end of the year. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Ludo was great, to be yeah. fair, anyway. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it's so interesting to count...
0: think what Pierre Schmeichel's career would have been. Like, because he wouldn't yeah. have had, like, no disrespect to West Ham, he wouldn't have had that stage to become no. that goalie. Would he have maybe been at West Ham and then moved to a big club? I don't know. I'm not sure how he would, because that affected me. Like, people talk about Cantonals. Schmeichel was one of the massive reasons. That, they, that era kicked off, because as Ed has said ad nauseum on this, to every great team needs a great goalkeeper. And he was the greatest, probably, of that decade. So that is a, it's a very sliding doors moment for West Ham and, and Peter then, yeah. Who makes yeah. up the back four then, Dan?
2: Uh, right back, another one for you, uh, Tim Breaker. Yeah, consistent player. He was always decent for S- keepers. So ahead of his time, like was born for like the, the overlapping fallbacks yeah. you see now. Um, so pretty much all he did. I have no memories of him ever defending. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Maybe that's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Other teams' left wingers scored all the time, but it was great. No, um, but yeah, just bombing down the right-hand side, crosses, pop up with a goal every now and then. Uh By all accounts, a very good bloke as well. Um, Yeah, again, I, I don't really have another option. I think he was a uh, right back for the vast majority of yeah. that decade as well, until, until he until he went to QPR. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So we're going to XQPR QPR league so far. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, I was trying to find like Andy Impey next to someone, trying to put him in, <laughs> yeah. see if I can keep it going. Yeah. yeah. Um, left back would be Dixie, which I've kind yeah. of already covered. Um, yeah. Again, just, yeah, top level player. Uh, two centre backs. Uh, first would be a young Rio Ferdinand.
0: Rolls-Royce of a footballer, um, yeah.
2: Rolls-Royce. Yeah, Rolls-Royce before everyone said Rolls-Royce. Yeah. The time, <laughs> every day, all the time. Um, but yeah, he came through, I think, started in May 96. And I mean, by the end of the decade, you, you knew, we knew what we had. It was yeah. just a case of when, rather than... Um, and they sold him far too early, which is another story. But yeah. Um, for not enough money, <laughs> yeah. I think £18 no. million to Leeds, yeah, 18 months yeah. later he's £30 million to United, so that's yeah. yeah. But um, just such a good player, I mean, such a good footballer. I mean, people kind of, um, I think, overplayed it a little bit at the time. You know, like they said, like he couldn't defend, which is a nonsense, because yeah. he was a defender. But um, you could tell from day one, really, um, how good he was going to be. Um, and the partner, which I think was actually a really big reason for, for Rio's development, I've gone with is um, Slaven Bilic. Ah, yes, good defender. Yeah, yeah. Only really played for us, I think, for a year and a half, two years. Uh, played most of that with Rio uh, and another because we were playing three at the back at the time, and another defender, Mark Reaper. I don't know if he. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Danish guy. I think yeah. they both really brought Rio on mm. um, and kind of helped develop him, and they kind of he seemed to be on the pitch almost like big brother in him a little bit. Mm. And um, Bilic was a terrific defender.
0: Yeah, hard, yeah. I say hard man, but just a, not like a classic hard man, but you just still would, you know that he would get stuck in, kind yeah. of, but also could play as well. Because that Croatian team was, mm. I love that Croatian team.
2: Yeah. And it's ridiculous. And came third in a World Cup. Yeah. I mean, ridiculously mm. good, ridiculously good team. Um, yeah. Bilic was more kind of obviously a hard man without having to prove it, I think. Yeah. Not many crunching tackles, but I, I, I think you'd have been brave to square up to him.
0: <laughs> and central, midfield, then let's go midfield. Then go on, Dan. Who's in your midfield?
2: Uh, central midfield, uh, two midfielders. Uh, first, will be John Monker. Yeah, Ah, lovely player, ultimate two footed player. Just would stand do, do Cruyff turns in the middle of the pitch for hours of people had let him. Um, sort of spray passes like to ease a flank. And then towards the end of his career, sort of transitioned into like a lunatic. He Used to run on for five minutes, tackle someone, get booked, punch the to the crowd, and go off again. Just- <laughs> a Bit of a
0: character. When I've heard yeah. teammates talk about him, they say he was a bit of a, a bit of a mad character in the dressing room. He had that about him. He was, you know, the classic prankster, but also took it possibly too far at times. Yeah, I've so heard that. I think that, he, yeah. he was a bit of a yeah, a bit of a nutcase in in, in was, uh, nicest um,
1: terms. It was at Tottenham at the same time as Gascoigne, which apparently the two of them together yeah. was apparently an absolute nightmare. Yeah, for, <laughs> the, for the players in the dressing room, which you can imagine.
0: Is he? casey who can't are stamped on at Swindon as well, wasn't he? he yes, yeah, so,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right he wound him up that much. much yeah. yeah,
0: alongside
2: Munker, then uh, be uh, Frank Lampard.
1: No. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, Device, very divisive figure. Yeah. Yes, love, love, hate relationship. There. What's what's that? Then that surprised me. Uh, actually, I'm not sure as much love. Um, I, yeah. I went back
2: and forth on this, if I'm honest. But if I'm picking it from purely football, he would be in it with that yeah. goal scoring midfielder. Um, really, kind of kicked on. Wasn't ready uh, when he came into the team, despite what he'll tell you, and he wasn't. Um, but clear as day he worked so hard to improve himself and obviously continued that through his career mm. I think by 98 he was him and, and another player I'll talk about in a minute kind of our main goal threats um and you could tell I think he was always kind of the second second fiddle to Rio and then probably third to Joe Cole and Joe mm. Cole came through at the very very end of the decade but um yeah I kind of went back and forth on bringing him in because I think like most West Ham fans um uh, I don't necessarily appreciate everything he's said about the club since. But um, as a pure footballer, I don't think there was anyone else. Maybe I could have gone Ian Bishop, but I think he was very similar to Monker. Yeah. And also when they played in our major field together, we weren't very good. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I kind of couldn't go with that. But yeah, despite uh, yeah, despite what Lampard said off the pitch, I think on the pitch, he'd be in my, uh, my team.
0: I always think of that clip, which I know you've both seen of Harry Redknapp, at was it like a West Ham supporters club where he's just, I think Frank's played about six games or whatever, and they're all saying he's not good enough. And he's got that boy, that boy will play for England, that boy. And and at the time you're like, all right, whatever. So he thus he was proved right. The Wheeler dealer that is, uh, Harry, yeah, right <laughs> now. Uh, one of the
1: fans asked about a lad called Scott, Scott who, Cannon. Scott uh, Cannon, that's the name I was trying Scott to say. The truth, Cannon, yeah. um, they asked about Scott Cannon. You know what? What about Scott Cannon? And like, you know, Harry, as you've just said, described accurately, there. You know, Harry said, "Oh, uh, this boy will play for England," uh, mm-hmm. and obviously, it turned out that he was right.
0: He was, he was indeed. Um, I don't so you know got... why Frank
2: was actually at that press conference. No, I Just a young
1: midfielder.
2: Yeah. Why did he, I mean, I, I suppose his dad was assistant manager, mate. He was waiting yeah. for a lift home or something. But, uh, <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't necessarily
0: sort of do that now. You wouldn't put the young like it's for years. Fergie wouldn't let Giggs talk to the media, would he, yeah. or anything like that? Because you wouldn't send them to the Wolves, would you? For the want of a yeah. better phrase, because but like,
2: yeah. yeah, I have no idea why, especially at the time, whether he deserved it or not. Obviously, it was always going to be a little bit when yeah nepotism when you think the management team was literally his father and his uncle <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, he's done all right you could then. be Pele coming through and people are still going to wonder for yeah. him
0: aren't they? Yeah. oh yeah totally totally um, have you got wingers then or we oh. yeah. I've kind of got an
2: inverted winger as oh, such but one of my favourite players and I have to put him in is in Ile Berkovich
1: yeah oh he's someone yeah, who doesn't get a lot of love isn't he footballer. yeah we don't talk about him much on Well, we haven't since i've been on anyway no yeah, good player
0: good player apart from yeah. when he's getting beat in the face by john hartson he's a great player
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was the mad thing about that was the report i had on the pitch was incredible yeah absolutely incredible i think if he'd been 10 years later he'd be one of all the silly accounts say so the streets, the streets yes. don't forget yes. Yeah, the but, adult um, raps
0: just, of this world yeah, yeah. adult
2: yeah. raps is yeah, the definition of that player. Yeah, it? he is. Um, yeah. But yeah, just would we'll just glide through games. You know, you'd think you'd barely seen him, and then all of a sudden, you get the ball, chip a like quick one, two, and someone's threw one goal. And it was, I think he hadn't played for us for two years, but he was an absolutely fantastic footballer.
0: Yeah. Now, is the name we air? Because do you know what? I, maybe I associate him with slight... because he's slightly later in a decade as well. It's like he's like he slowly, slightly merges into. The two thousands a little bit maybe that's why he doesn't maybe get a, yeah. a much of a more of a mention in this decade than he, yeah. clearly he should because because he was a, a massive part of that late nineties West Ham team. know good shout and so we've got three places left. Who, who who's making oh, rest And today? then
2: on the left wing is just a little bit of a niche one, but I've always enjoyed him. It'd be um Stan Lazaridis. Ah, oh, Aussie Stan. Aussie Stan Skippy, as he was affectionately known as. <laughs> um and uh, yeah. He's one of the goal scorer of one of the most underrated goals of the nineties as well, which was from that forty yard goal away at Newcastle in a one nil win, which think, no yeah. one ever shows.
0: Yeah, I think I, I that rings a vague bell actually. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's it's out there. If people look, I think yeah. it was on one of, you know the Premier League tweet the goal of the day thing, and it was on there a few months ago, and I was like, you actually forget how good a goal this was. Yeah, no, totally no. There's a yeah, great goal. So, Skippy down the wing,
0: um, who then, I was. I think this is everyone's favourite bit, front two. Is Samistri Abu part of your front two?
2: <laughs> he, he should be is the answer. He should be. One of the greatest all-time one-off performances, Samistri <laughs> Abu at home to Barnsley, who won 6-0. <laughs> it's our highest ever Premier League win. And I think in, in half an hour, he scored two and set two up. Yeah. He'd never played before. I was like, well, is this it now? Are we going to win the league? I think yeah. he scored one other goal ever.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> He's one I definitely a, remember. If a yeah, not made way, it then,
2: who's who's your front two? Uh, gone a bit well, one sort of oh first part of the nineties and one latter. So the first one from the early part of the Trevor Morley. Yes.
0: Yes, remember him, yeah. Yeah. Western storework. Like,
2: Consistent sort of when I first started going was our main striker. I think he scored 20 odd, 25 goals and we got promoted on the, the final day in ninety 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 two, ninety three. Uh, and then he was a key man for the first couple of years when we were up. I just remember just kind of the definition of like a bustling striker. Yes, good word. Just, yeah, kind of barging his way through. Every chance he ever missed, he appealed for a free kick from. (laughs) I I, I don't know why, but... But, um, yeah, like an underrated striker. I think yeah. he was at Manchester City before. Did he end up at QPR? No, it sounds like a player that should have done. He definitely um, did, though, I, I feel. He <laughs> it yeah. may, yeah.
0: It may he have slightly, you know, him. gotten in on a loan spell, but no, I'm pretty sure we escaped Morley. At the, yeah. uh, you know, at the end of his career when he was past, it was probably when we would have got him. But no, Trevor Morley <laughs> didn't, didn't find, find him right at Loftus Road. It's very rare. Yeah.
2: But, you uh, know, I really, really, really rated him at the time. And uh, last but not least, with John Hartson. Yes, big John great player he was yeah. so
0: i always remember that you know revelation at west ham and then that random transfer to wimbledon is one of it's still yeah, one of the most i remember yeah. this is a, a classic ash paper round story that because that was sky sports news for me back in the day i used to do the paper round, and you'd get the papers before anyone else would see them and you're, you're like your mates would see them in the day and i remember that on the back page and i can even remember exactly where i was walking i was walking right by my old the corner shop called Bert's which people in Plumstead there you go shout to Bert um, we were, I was, and I pulled it out there and I was I was looking like what he's going on where have Wimbledon got really like 7 million or something like that if I remember yeah. rightly wherever they got this money from why is he going there because he was so good for West Ham and mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier with him and Kitson as well very odd but yeah I mean again probably somebody falls in that underrated category eh hey Dan?
2: Yeah I think he was look, the 97-98 season I think he scored like 20 goals by January yeah, like ridiculous. I've never seen a striker four. We, we we don't really bother with strikers anymore, but um
0: we <laughs> don't does? really,
2: yeah, no one, definitely yeah. not us. We haven't signed one three we sold one three years ago and everyone it. <laughs> but um yeah, it was just an absolute on his day, classic on his day, but you couldn't handle him because he he could, he could get about, he was pretty quick, obviously strong as you like. And a very, very cool finisher. You know, I remember kind of a lot of his goals rather than headers were like being put through by Berkovich and yeah. kind of sliding it to the side of the goalkeeper. I also have a funny story, which is in, in the new book about when we sold him. Um, so my birthday is 14th of January. So this right, so is my 14th birthday. And got a couple of things bought for me, like a couple of like John Hartson posters, little car sticker to put on my window. Right? My favourite player, obviously, fellow ginger. So, love, love, <laughs> love, love, love Big John. And the 16th of January, I came downstairs no. and put teletext on, hearts oh, no. and signs for Wimbledon. <laughs>
1: oh, no.
2: And my dad, for my birthday, had bought me tickets to Wimbledon away. No. The following week and his first game.
0: I don't even, didn't even realise. Did he score?
2: No, it was nil-nil. So, funny enough, actually, it was Dicanio's De debut for All us right. as well. So it was actually, it's in the book as a, you know, it kind of one my example of it being an important game, yeah. rather than a great game. So it was yeah. a draft nil-nil. But it was Hartson's first game against us, Decanio's first game for us. And also, I think Tim Breaker's last game and Julian <laughs> Dixie's penultimate game as well. So it was a real kind of end. of Tim Breaker's an era. getting a lot of love today. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think this would sure. be a Tim Breaker-based broadcast. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> maybe there should be one.
0: The Timber oh, yeah. he episode. As I said, he was injury prone to keep it up. But when he played, he he, he was very yeah. good. Um, yeah.
2: But yes, it was kind of a real ending of an era game. But yeah, like I had all this John Hartson stuff bought for me and two days later. Because it was out of nowhere. As well.
0: Yeah, it was. That's the thing. It was, yeah, it was completely out of nowhere. Ed, I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts on on John Hartson? Because he's, uh, he's a... Yeah. I, I think he falls in that underrated category, for sure.
1: Well, John Hartson is an underrated player, I think. Yeah, he, there was far more to his game than just being the big lad up front as... Yeah. Um, as uh, Dan was saying, um, you know, he's, it, there was a turn there was a turn of pace. He was a he was a very, very good finisher, as Dan has already said. Yeah, he's a good th- and he went on to you know, he did do great things when he was up in Scotland as yeah. well. Um, up at Celtic, um, you know, got reached the uh, Europa League final and, you know, mm. won trophies up there and stuff. He's, he had a good career. Obviously, you know, he he had the you know, the cancer scare and what have yeah. you, but he, he had um but he, yeah, he had a really, really good career, John And that was a a gamble from Harry Redknapp, if I remember rightly, at the time because Hartson was
0: at Arsenal. He's on the periphery, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. in and out,
1: in and out of the team. But um, Redknapp paid the money on it. He obviously saw, you know, saw something in him, and um, you know, credit to Harry Redknapp actually is, you know, we call him a wheeler dealer and stuff, but he, he has got an eye for a he yeah, has got an eye for a talent um and, and also
0: uh, an eye uh, to keep that talent so if you're nico cranchard yeah, jermaine defoe yes. you're, you've always got a job
1: yeah. i've got a funny feeling that they live in his house uh, uh, nico uh, cranchard must yeah, he's definitely yeah. employed by him yeah, exactly must. That. although yeah.
0: he was very good for qbr but yeah he um yeah, yeah he must have a, a special relation that's a good team dan i like that. Is it's there, a very good team couple there that you mentioned is there anyone else you kind of just missed out on that
2: um Steve Lomas was close in midfield. Yeah. Did uh, play he, for QPR. <laughs> he, he oh, of course he did. Yeah. Who's, whose team is this, Ash? Mine or yours? I, I know. <laughs> now, too, so. Yeah, I know. There's a lot
0: of links. There is a lot of links. Didn't, wasn't a fan of him. Was QPR, I must admit. Again, past his best. But yeah, yeah. sorry. I'm old-star. Yeah, Everyone's cool. going, shut up, Ash.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, kind of tough tackling uh, captain as well at the time um, for yeah. a lot of the 90s and yeah, probably could have been in, but Monker kind of entertained me and Lampard did score a lot of goals, so um, kind of just uh, just edged out. Mark Reaper as well, who I mentioned briefly, yeah. uh, really good. Um, re- scored a really important goal for us against Blackburn, uh, the greatest season ever, 94-95. Because <laughs> um, we, um, we were pretty close. Four went down that year, I think. Yeah. We were perilously close to it. Mm. And he scored a goal quite late to, to beat Blackburn, actually, when they were going for the... Uh, for the title him um, and Don Hutchison scored the Don Hutchison complex, would be nowhere near this thing. But, um, despite being a record signing twice, which is mm. random as you like, but yeah, um, a decent pundit these days, isn't he? He's made a lot yeah, of himself, Decent pundit, really yeah. good pundit, um, but yeah, and kind of good everywhere else, but just kind of underwhelmed at West Ham a couple mm. of times. Um, yeah, so they both be close, uh, probably one other. It random sort of winger, Michael Hughes. Yeah. Uh, was Manchester City, uh, I think, for us. He signed him for, like, Strasbourg or something like that. Yeah, I, I remember
0: being abroad, yeah. Yeah,
2: and he scored the goal in the Manchester United game, actually. Yes, yeah. he did. Um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, he was a very good footballer, very technically good. I think played off the left, but was right-footed, cutting a lot. And uh, Yeah, we, we had some we had some random footballers. I think one, one day, there's, there's definitely a worse team. Yeah, <laughs>
0: well, that'd be harder, <laughs> yeah. I think, for West Ham. Yeah. More random in the yeah, although we'd struggle for a goalkeeper because we we all can't think of anyone but Ludic McClosko. <laughs> on,
2: on my life, I don't remember anyone of Shaka Hislop
0: towards the end, was that too, was that more the two thousands? I think that's two thousands.
2: And maybe very last year. Maybe probably well,
1: last knock-ins, yeah. I think so. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: But um, um, because we've got we've got this far, haven't we? And we've not talked like future and read Oh, I met, yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned True very briefly, but yeah, yeah. Palo
0: Fucci was another
1: one. I mean, uh, Jerry beat him as well. Uh, got the whole Jerry beacham him thing. Yeah, was all very that. odd. All very odd signings,
2: weren't they? Yeah, Futra Fucci, and Radu and Ili Dumitrescu as well would have oh, all yeah. been yeah would have God all been yeah. fine as gambles in isolation, but to do them all in one go felt <laughs> a bit extreme. It worked for one game. We beat Southampton two one. Um, August game, Phil Trey played it was unbelievable. I mean, you could tell how good he was, you know, like before his knees had given away. Um, and the second half, we just, the football we played is up there with anything, a lot of things I've ever seen West Ham teams play. But then the following week, I think we got slaughtered away at Middlesbrough. And, you know, we were essentially just picking three people who didn't want to at any point ever be tackled or trapped back. So it's really only so far you can go with that after a while. But, um, yeah, and Beecham was a bizarre one, really. I mean, yeah, god, god rest his soul, but um yeah. I, I can't look out, how, how did he not know where London was? it's <laughs> yeah. just yeah. But he's an Oxford legend, to be fair. I think yeah. he's yeah, he's right no, well, yeah, he was the much... greatest player. Yeah. Um if, oh, if the other one I, six, I didn't he? Yeah,
1: didn't he? yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, The other player I I was going to mention before we go as well is obviously the, the Latin Lothario that was Danny as well.
2: Danny. <laughs> Danny and Ian Dowie up front, the <laughs> yeah. um, most diametrically different strike force of all time. Um, yeah. He was a yeah. good player, though. It, yeah, I remember,
0: just... him, didn't he play like an FA Cup game in the snow? Was that Rexham, I want to say? Oh, that
2: is Hugo, Hugo Perforio. Oh, yeah. that's that like Perforio. Yeah. I'm getting them mixed yeah. up, yeah. During our weird obsession with Portuguese playmakers, you know, <laughs> because why wouldn't you do that? But um, Danny, I think, scored a, scored a winner at Tottenham on his debut, which... The starts go for West Ham players isn't bad, and clearly he was very good. But I think Sporting, I think it was Sporting Lisbon, I think they wanted like six million for him or something, which I think was about four times our record transfer at the time. So I yeah. think that was sorry and thank. Them. I think he ended up at Ajax not long after that. And I don't really know past that to be fair. I was um, just
0: going through Wikipedia there and looking at the squads throughout the year to find another West Ham goalkeeper, and it's uncanny. Like even the number twos, you don't—they're not names that you would. Consider that like, like Peter Shilton was there at one point. That's insane. Yeah. Like he's another Mike Norman, Peter Shilton played for West Ham. There's, there's news that I need to learn today <laughs> as well. Les Seeley was there for a bit late. Les Seeley, Um, Shaki Slott was 98, uh, 99. So that would have been his eventual replacement, but yeah, Ludo really did monopolize that position yeah. for, for the whole decade. There we go. We, we
2: had Craig Forrest. Very oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Bernard Lamar. Oh, yeah. Bernard Lamar. That was how have I forgotten Bernard Lamar? Yeah. He was in goal, I think, for the back end of the 98 season. He was and trying to go to the World Cup, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think he was, yeah. yeah. We got him on loan and then left him on the bench for three months, because why wouldn't you? And I remember, yeah. I think we played Arsenal and he played really well. I think we might have drew 1-1, one one, nil nil. And I think Wenger spent a lot of his press conference after kind of just ranting about how they had Bernard Lamar and not picked him for three months. Which, which I think probably he was a decent judge of a player. I think. Yeah. True. So um, I think that probably says a lot. I think that was just as Ludo kind of wound down, kind of ran through a couple of keepers quite quickly.
0: Yeah. Until Shako, oh, he was great. Right, Shako as well. But that's it's brilliant. For, brilliant that's, that's for another decade. Um, Dan, thank you very much. That's, uh, I think we need to tie a bow on this before we all melt in our respective <laughs> places and get a drink, get some air on this very hot day. But that was an insightful look through back West that's Remind people again if they want to talk to you about the book or about the hammers in general. Where can they find you on Twitter?
2: Uh, on Twitter, it's at Hurley, which is H U R L E Y books. Um, and yeah, feel free to drop me a follow or a message. I'll always reply. And yeah, the new book, uh, The Games That Made Us, is out on August the 15th. And the first book, *The Greatest Escape*, is available now everywhere, and might go down in price in four weeks. We'll probably <laughs> hang on till then. To be bargain, yeah, bargain,
0: yeah. Seamless plug there, Dan. Um... <laughs> Ed, if people want to come and have a drink, and they bloody well need one in today's heat, um, where can think, people find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, at Tavern Football. And you're yeah, right. right uh, I'm definitely having a beer today. It's going to be one of those <laughs> days, I think. Yeah. Just need a,
0: the top quality H2O, as Bobby Boucher said. in that Absolutely. Um, follow the show at AK90s on Twitter. And we'll be back very soon with more 90s nonsense for us to chew the fat on. I've been Ash Rose. This is a live in. Till next time, keep it 90s.